Today's episode is brought to you by DNA Sports Training. If you or someone you know wants to take their game to the next level, then hit us up at DNA Sports Training. Visit dnasportsdenver.com to book a training session. We offer specialized sports training from football to track and field and everything else in between. Uh, whether you're an offensive or defensive lineman wanting to get off the ball better, take your game to the next level, or if you're an athlete wanting to improve your speed and agility, we have something for everyone over at DNA. Uh, visit DNA Sports Denver. Dot com now and sign up you can follow our podcast you can follow our socials there hit us up dna sports denver.com check us out yeah welcome to DNA. another one number three number three i think we're a thing now right i think once is an accident. Two's kind of like, oh, I didn't think right. Three were official. Hey, three were in there, like swimwear. Yeah. <laughs> what up, everybody? Thank you and welcome for joining us again. Uh, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, if you missed the last two episodes, you better go back and do some catch up. You know, You're missing out. Talked to Sean Watson. We talked Brittany Griner. We talked WWE. We talked. Uh, battle rap We talk everything here on this program man. We cover sports, life, culture, news Anything that's going to affect you Anything that's going to affect me We're going to talk about it uh, and Give our opinion on it Yes sir, if you're thinking about it We're talking about it Go check us out again at DNASportsDenver.com Book your sessions Again, we don't want to get away from what we're here for You know, we specialize Like Coach said, in offense and defensive lines So if you want to get right Check out our site I'm Coach Al, that's Coach Dom uh, again, we thank you for joining us. Uh, good to see you, Don. Man, how you been? I've been good, man. You know, this is is an exciting journey we're going on. So, you know, this is the fuel to my fire right now. I've been great, man. There we go, man. Hey, you, usually this time we're getting ready for for the football season. Uh, yeah. Haven't been coaching football for the last few years. This being the exception, uh, it's different. We've got time to myself. Was did a camping trip. Um, it's been great, man. I, it, I, I miss coaching. I miss I miss being on the field with them guys. Uh, shout out North High School and what they doing and, and Coach Esco up there. And um, I miss being out there on the field. But at the same time, man, time with family is is invaluable, and you can't never get too much of it. So definitely being excited to to being able to do some things I haven't been able to do the last few years, and then launching this thing. You know, yeah, DNA Sports Training and um, the podcast. Uh, it's taken a lot of time, but it's also lit in a lot of fire underneath me and reinvigorated a lot of juices I have. I haven't gone to school for, for broadcasting and, uh, and production, so it's super exciting, man. I'm, I'm blessed to be able to do this with you, bro, and I'm excited to, to likewise, get into another likewise. one. Yeah, man, it's, it's super exciting, like you said, and it is a weird transition having all this available time on our hands because we're not currently coaching for a high school program. Um, but, you know, it is a benefit to have right now. You know, time is the most valuable asset you can have, and having that time with your family and, and with this venture that we got going on, <clears throat> you know, I, I wouldn't change it in the world. And and shouts out, like you said, to North High School. Shouts out to Coach Hannah, you know, and all the opportunities that we've what had up, in the past. Um, I just want to make sure that, you know, we uh, really take this time that we have to, to grow this DNA experience to the next level. And we're gonna give we're gonna give these high schools um, and these coaches that we've worked with we're gonna give definitely give them shine on this show, um, try to effort them to get on yes. on this show yes. um, because ultimately, man, a lot of that a lot of gratitude is 
is paid to these guys. And um, super thankful for a lot of the opportunities I was given and uh, a lot of opportunities I earned. So thankful to be here, man. Hey, we've been doing this now, third episode, and we haven't talked about the Nuggets yet. Not once. And I'm I'm ashamed of myself because I'm a diehard Nuggets fan. Probably my favorite Denver sports team is the Nuggets. Um, Avalanche are pulling up quick, though, boy, let me tell you. Yeah. Yeah. But that being said – Let's talk about it. NBA offseason, right? Mm-hmm. Free agency. Big moves. Quotes, free agency for the Nuggets because, you know, it, some people, you know, if I'm looking online, man, a lot of people's opinions, like, they're not doing anything. And and I beg well, to differ, bro. Like, listen, they got what they had to get done, done, right? Jokic is done. Five yeah. years, 270 Supermax um, with the remaining years on his contract. He's looking at 300 plus over the next six years. 300 yeah. plus. 300 yeah. million dollars. Basketball money is stupid. It is. Basketball money is crazy because I've seen some of these guys that are making 20 million in basketball and they're like sixth man, you know, mm-hmm. lower lower option on the totem pole kind of thing. So basketball yeah. is crazy. I think I think we have four $100 million contracts on our starting five. It's crazy. Yeah. MPJ, <clears throat> Jokic, Jamal, and Aaron Gordon. It's crazy, man. Getting so, that bag. Getting that bag, though. But I'm excited, man. Uh, it's hard to say anyone deserves that much money, but it's definitely earned on the court by Jokic. Uh, yeah. he, he was everything to the Nuggets this year. And honestly, if he wasn't he if he if wasn't MVP Jokic, they probably are a lottery team. They probably don't make the playoffs. And oh, I know yeah. they got bounced in the first That's round. They got bounced by the eventual champs, but I know they got bounced in the first round. But without Jokic, man, they they definitely aren't anything. Um, some other moves they made, they brought in Contavious Caldwell Pope. Um, they traded away um, Monte Morris, which was kind of hard to see him go. Yeah, um, you know, I like Monte. Uh, he was really really good uh, player for us. He stepped up big um, this year for us. But you know, it's the NBA. Sometimes that happens. I think uh, KCP is going to give us a little bit better perimeter. Um, they also signed Bruce Brown from from New Jersey, um, yeah. which is a, which is another big one. I think he's another guy. I think we have enough scoring with just Jamal Jokic, and if Porter can be somewhat healthy, yeah, I think there's enough scoring there. Um, Bones Highland coming off the bench, or uh, you know, in that in that reserve role, or even getting spot starts. I think we got plenty of scoring. But what hurt us, man, again, especially against Golden State was the lack of perimeter defense. Yeah. And it got to a point where we're overzealous trying to defend the perimeter and they're just slashing to the bucket. So I think bringing KCP in who can guard twos, he can guard ones, he can guard a small forward if he needs to. Um, and then Bruce Brown in, he he can guard, He can he's capable of scoring. Um, and also KCP's, uh, I think KCP's three is a little underrated too. But bringing these guys in help us out. Uh, the draft picks, uh, I forget the kid's name from Kansas. I think he's going to be big for us, especially as he as he molds into um, his role and uh, as a shooter. Um, I think he can help us. So don't sleep on the Nuggets, man. I know they've been saying this for the last three years since the bubble. You know that they they got potential, but don't sleep on them, man. I'm excited for this team, and I think we got a couple more little moves we can make, but super excited for this team. You know, I'm going to do it to you, Al. This is all facts that you speak, but I'm going to be one of those guys who say, I just don't know if it's enough. You know, um, I think we were very injury-prone, and we need a little bit more depth. We need to pick up some depth so that way – 
if we run into the injury scenarios, we have guys that come off the bench and, and give us that support that we need. You know, I think with losing Jamal last year, it, it killed us. And, and to see him on the bench at the end of the season to where he might be able to go, he maybe, maybe not, depending on the situation, he might go. That, to me, that was just, I didn't like it, you know. And, and I feel like we need to figure out who's ready to play, who's not ready to play and have contingency plans in place in case injuries happen. That's it's the NBA injuries are going to happen. So we need to make sure that we bring in some suitable depth, not, you know, like some of the guys, you know, no knock to anybody. Again, this is the NBA and they're all paid athletes who, who are very good at what they do, but I'm talking maybe some veteran names, you know, a shot blocker, you know, well, joke is out there. He's not necessarily a shot blocker. He's our big man, but he's not a shot blocker. We need a guy who's going to come in and and bring that Marcus Camby feel back to the Nuggets. You know what I mean? And 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 block some protect, shots. Protect the basket. I, I I totally agree with you. Um, they did bring in DeAndre Jordan, but I think that's more just like spot minutes to to spell Jokic. Um, yeah. I don't think I don't see him as like anything as 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 a big um, contributor. No. Um, you know, maybe the contribution is giving Jokic some rest down the way. Yeah. Um, Vic Lombardi uh, tweeted out an interview he had with Michael uh, Porter Jr. Um, I think it was yesterday at the uh, summer league game. Uh, and Michael Porter, uh, Michael Porter Jr. said, quote, I think I'm 100 percent at this point. It's a blessing. I feel good. I'm ready to get back on the court. I think I'm 100 percent. Yeah, that's kind of scary, bro. And, and and not only that, right, we're, we could talk about MPJ a little bit, you know, great athlete, you know, young kid. Um, you know, riddled with injuries, obviously. But when you talk about what's his flaw, I think, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, he could use some improvement, you know, especially around the perimeter. You know, I think he needs to just if, if any if anywhere he needs to apply that effort and, and focus on getting better on defense because in all honesty that's where we need him the most. You but, know what I mean? Um And I don't his, think he's gonna be a great defender, Don, but just effort, dude. Like yeah. he, uh, there's been times where it was frustrating watching him on the defensive end because there was times where he just didn't seem to to show effort, you know. And that's all you need. Defense is a, you, you know this. Defense is a mindset. It's an it's an effort thing. And a lot of times you can jumpstart your defense by by working your tail off and, and busting your butt, just trying, you know, mm-hmm. putting that effort in. And I think with 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 what we have with Michael Porter Jr., we know he's a terrific scorer, but I don't know that he's a terrific effort guy on defense. And so if he can provide a little more effort on defense, I think he'll be a better defender. Yeah. But that's a big if. I think with KCP, you know, we lost Will Barton and we lost Monte Morris, but KCP kind of offsets the scoring. Barton. Yeah. Will's good. <laughs> Will was great for us, man, and he was also bad for us. I feel bad uh. for him because his it's like it's a stale taste. He was injured a lot. Um, there was just a lot of issues, but I've met him. I got, I got to go to this, uh, this Nuggets like fan party and I got to meet Will. Didn't get to meet Jokic cause the line was too damn long and it finished by the time it, it happened. Yeah. But, uh, Will was cool. He just, he, I think his time ran here. We got Bones Highland that's coming up. You could do the same thing. I think KCP, uh, with his perimeter shooting 
is just as lethal, if not a little bit more lethal. Plus, he provides that defensive element. Uh, and, you know, I, I think we're good there. I, would, I wouldn't mind seeing a, another big, whether it be a power forward or a center that comes in and, and can be more of a shot blocker. I also think if we're healthy, that relegates uh, Aaron Gordon to be more of a fourth option defender first kind of kind of player and I think in that series against Golden State the last two games that we played uh it was obvious that he can be something like that that kind of a player so I think it's just a matter of getting these guys in here bringing in maybe a couple more vets I don't know where we're at with the salary cap I know we're pretty close but um, let me ask you this um based off of injury and and his past performance and what he is to this team do you think Jamal Murray is the right guy for us at the point. I don't think he's a true point guard. No. I, I don't think he's a true point guard. I, I think he's good with the ball. I think he can handle the rock well. Um, I think if we had a true point guard here, it would elevate his his scoring ability. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got a point guard at center. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you got somebody that can run point at center. Um you can bring Bones Highland in as a point guard and move Jamal to shooting, shooting guard. guard. And Bones can run a point a little bit. Um, I think they're going to bring back Austin Rivers. You know, he'll come off the bench and run the point a little bit. Uh, I think when you have someone like Jokic that can do so much, it's a, it's a unique situation. It's kind of like LeBron, you know, back in the Cavalier days where maybe, you know, they had Delonte West and, you know, you can't think of too many of their point guards they had. But you had a guy that can run point. So maybe put another shooter with him. Um, you know, I'm interested to see with Jamal because I think I don't think the I don't think the um, I don't think the Nuggets did him a favor last year. I think they should have just called it shut down once he wasn't back in March. Like he's not coming back. You know, I just don't know necessarily. Like when I think about like championship teams in the NBA in the past, you know, it seems like every championship team had role players, and they played their role extremely well. And when I look at Jamal Murray, sometimes I feel like, where is his role? Like, what is his role? Because is it point? Is it shooting guard? Like you said, because to me, we're more exciting sometimes when when our center's, you know, kind of playing that point type of well, We could play that two-man role, game. You know, like, so I, I struggle with it sometimes, honestly. When we could play that two-man game, Right, and we can have Jokic and Jamal playing that two man with the pick and roll, and Jamal either cut into the basket in addition to Jokic, or um, they're they're staying with Jamal and giving Jokic open open shots to the lane. Um, that's when we're our best. I'll tell you like this: we don't come back from three one against Utah if it isn't for Bubble Jamal. You're right. Uh, he literally carried this team to the point where some folks were like, "Well, how come Jokic ain't doing this?" And then Jamal carried him. And then in the next round against L.A., they both became better, right? Mm-hmm. Jokic became better. Jamal came, became better. I think not not being a good defensive team is what got us down in them series. But and is the consistency there, right? Like No, well, because if you remember, right, he came back that next season, and, and it was kind of inconsistent, hit or miss. And, and And it wasn't until right before the tra- tra- uh, trade deadline that he started getting his feet underneath him again. And I don't know if that's just fatigue because that was a unique situation where you, you're playing into – August and then you're gone for a month and a half and then you're starting up training camp and coming back into the season. So I don't know if that was just a unique situation and that's why he got hurt too. Um, but that 10 game stretch where we brought Aaron Gordon in and we had our four on the floor, mm-hmm. 
dude, that was some good basketball. I think they went like nine and one in that stretch or something like that nature. Yeah. Um, and they were storming into the playoffs. Now Jamal got hurt, kind of changed things. MPJ was taking questionable shots. Like I think MPJ, if if that man can can cut to the basket just a little bit more and show some more effort on defense, he'll be a better all around player. One of our better all around players on the team, like potentially better to score than Jamal because he has the build, the size to, to attack the basket. Yeah, dude, he's six ten yeah. and he can shoot. You know what I mean? But what drives me nuts with him is it's the stop, pull up, shoot, stop, pull up, take a shot. Like, you have an open lane. Drive that lane, you know? Man, it seems like that's almost what a lot of the NBA is now, though, is perimeter shooting. You know what I mean? Like It really is. Everybody wants to be the Steph Currys and the, you know. And the well, and that's where it happens. And the Reggie Millers of the world. Like, what team can you think happen? of that has won a championship playing outside in opposed to inside out? And it, you think about it, it started with the Golden State Warriors, you know, with their shooting with Clay Thompson, the Splash Brothers, him, Steph Curry. You know, their shooting kind of changed the NBA. When they won their first title, they showed that you can play outside in. Like, yeah. you can play perimeter basketball and, and win uh, an NBA title. And now you look at the league, and I think three-point attempts are way up. You know, their three-point makes are way up also. Um, field goal percentage is kind of, you know, still, still, still speaks, speaks the truth to it, you know, but I think there's something to be said about that. And I, I, I go back to last year, this past season, the, the NBA finals watching, I think it was game six or game five. Um, Steph and, and Clay had a two on one break and Steph pulled up for a three. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's just a different mindset and it's just where the NBA is at now, man. But Hopefully the, the, this nugget window is still open and hopefully we can climb through that thing because there's a lot of opportunity, but it's all hopes and hope isn't a strategy yeah. and you got to hope for, for good health and, you know, but if we can put it together, I think, like you say, bring, bring one or two more veterans in on that veteran minimum um, to come in and, and, and just protect the rim. I yeah. think, I think we'll be good, man. Uh, we'll see. There's a lot of LA's going to retool. Uh, they're kind of stuck with that Westbrook contract, but they're going to retool. Um, I expect Golden State to continue to be Golden State, and look out for Minnesota, bro, because Minnesota's mm-hmm. like they were. There was a report they were trying to get Kevin Durant, and and New Jersey was like, we want KAT, we want Anthony. <laughs> uh, yeah. What is his Anthony? I forget the other dude's name, um, but they wanted a, a haul in like four first round picks for Kevin Durant. So um, don't sleep on these teams. It's not over yet. Trying to get better. Yeah, right? that's what frustrated me after the bubble. Um, I didn't feel like we did a lot to try to get better. I think we should have traded Barton back then. I think we went yeah, a year too. too late. Um, you know, and I keep hearing people screaming to to bring back Gary Harris, and I love Gary Harris, but he just he he's another one like Barton where his time ran its course here, and we got some young talent. Um, the Brown kid that that we just drafted from Kansas, you know. Uh, Bones coming up. Bones really showed himself uh, this past season. So I think we've got a lot of talent to work with and and to make things happen. We can't waste Jokic's good years, right? We've got to do something with it. We need a big move. We need a really big move. I think we need a a Gordon-esque move again. Would you go after after Kevin Durant if you were the Nuggets? Uh... That's tough because going after Kevin Durant probably means getting rid of. You're probably giving up Jamal and MPJ or Jamal and Aaron Gordon or some combination of of your big roster because. And then and then what is how does that fit into the rest of the system? I don't know if Kevin Durant really is a fit for us necessarily or where we're needing. Thing is, you give up. You know, but 
ain't no one gonna pull, take Michael Porter Jr.'s contract back. Yeah, no. I, I I can't envision anyone doing that. Yeah, I mean, um, so that that throws a hiccup into it. But we'll see, man. I I look forward to the season, and you know, I, I we had a parade for the Avalanche. God dang it, I want to have a parade for the Nuggets now too. So. Hey, it's overdue, man. It's it's about that time that that they get there and 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 they take it down. You know, we're we're here for it. You know, but like I said, I think we just need to bring in some some more talent to help out the talent we already have in place. You know, we're prime for valuable it. Valuable talent. I mean, the league, the Western Conference is tough, but it there's not that one. I guess you can say Golden State, but there's not that one team that's like. God, how do we get past them? Yeah, because even Golden State has its flaws. I think that you know they're gonna they're gonna have a hard time keeping that thing together unless some of these guys decide to take less money to stay together, which is always possible. I mean, I never understand how. Shoot, man, if you're winning championships, dude, like, and you're still making like, oh, I'm gonna have to take ten million to post twenty million to win a championship. I mean, going forward, I mean, yeah, I guess that's that's a big difference in, in cash, but at the same time, man, like. I don't know, dude, like how much is too much? How much yeah. is enough? And, you know, some of these guys, they don't spend their money right, but some of these guys do. Yeah. So I mean, look at Tom Brady. He restructures his contract constantly yeah. to bring in talent. So Well, we just had a Bobby Bonilla day on July 1st. You know what Bobby Bonilla day is? Mm -mm. So Bobby Bonilla played for the New York Mets um, back in the day. Like, he, I, don't, I don't think he's played baseball since 2003, but he gets an annual, like, multi-million dollar salary every year. Until like 2035 Wow And um, it, it He like Deferred some payments On his contract And it got caught up And messed up With the Whole Bernie Madoff uh, hmm. Scandal right Yeah and, and the Mets Lost a lot of money So in order to make that back They asked him to defer His contract And they'd pay him X amount of dollars I think it's like One point like, Now it's like 1.6 or 1.7 million It's just under 2 million That's um, wild Every July 1st That's Until wild. 2035 So it's It's known as Bobby Bonilla Day um, You know John Alway, Tom Brady, a lot of these, uh, Peyton Manning has done it where they defer their contract. They defer their payment on their contract so that the team can have cap room to maneuver and, and to bring guys in. So, um, you know, it's one of those things, man, where if you're smart, you can figure out a way to work that cap. Yeah. You know, you got to have the right people to work that cap. And that's the other part of that question about the Nuggets and whether they have the right people in that, that front office. Um, we'll see. Um, that's been a question for some time now. Well, Mike Connolly gone now, so yeah. you know we'll we'll see what happens. Um, see if the Nuggets continue to get better, or if they they take that step back. I hope they don't, but you know it, it's sports. Someone's got to be better, and someone's got to be worse. And you know, there's it, it it never stays the same. You're either getting better, or you're getting worse. So. Yeah, that's for sure. And you know, with that coach, you're talking about you know being smart and learning how to work your money and having smart people around you. You know, that starts at a very young age. Um, and that leads me to our next topic. You know, I want to talk about what it means to be a student athlete, eligibility, recertification, recruitment, accumulative GPA, things of that nature. You know, all the time in high school, you see these kids that come in, come in as as oh, I I played this and I played for this team and we won so many championships as a freshman and and they're really naturally gifted athletes but they struggle in the classroom and, and you see kids that, you know, you pull your hair out because you want them on the sideline when you're playing in a game on a Friday night. But unfortunately they didn't meet the deadline on Thursday for eligibility and, and they can't play, you know? So I, I want to just touch base on this a little bit and talk about why it's so important for these kids to, 
to really take education seriously and why it's called student athlete and the student is before the athlete. Um, you know, and I feel it needs to start at the youth level. Um, I think more youth coaches need to hold kids accountable for their for their behavior off the field, meaning at home, in school, and with their education, you know, their grades. Because when by the time it gets to high school, sometimes it's too late. Habits and, are already created. And, and these kids don't realize that if you're really looking forward to play any sport at the next level, they're not just looking at what you did your senior year. They're looking at what you did freshman, sophomore junior and senior year both on and off the field so um i just like to you know bounce back and forth a little bit on this topic and kind of pick your brain a little bit and and talk about some experiences that we've both been through together um when it comes to this topic you know well i can tell you as a coach nothing's more frustrating than going through your roster of available guys and having to cross people out it's not available because they didn't do their part of the deal Mm -hmm. Um, i think as a coach you put a lot of time and effort into finding success and trying to be uh, the best team that we can be. And it, it can be frustrating if everyone else isn't carrying their weight, right. And doing their responsibilities. Yeah. Um, eligibility is important, man. I think as you are a student first before you're an athlete and you don't get to be an athlete unless you're a great student. And I know when I was coaching youth, we used to do grade checks and we used to ask for progress reports and all that stuff, because I think setting the tone and, and creating the example of how it should look going forward should start at that young age because you create bad habits when you're young. It's like getting a kid that was coached a bunch of craziness or different, you know, things that they, it's hard to break them, them habits. Um, so I do, I do truly believe that grades are always matter the most and no matter what, um, I, I was fortunate during my high school career to be able to be recruited and mm-hmm. I got stacks of recruiting letters and, uh, visited schools and got, you know, calls from schools and whatnot, and it was it was a fun experience. Yeah. The the most humbling experience in that journey, though, was I was invited to go up to the University of Colorado as let's, part of. Let's talk about it. So there's 50 athletes that uh, 50 football athletes that were invited to the, to the University of Colorado. It was called the CU Junior Hoops Day. So mm-hmm. it was my junior year going into my senior year. It was the spring of my junior year, right? And uh, they bring us up. Man, they fed us. Like, they had a ridiculous spread overlooking um, Folsom Field. It was dope. They had all the jerseys hanging on the wall of every player they sent to the NFL. Um, got to meet, at the time, it was Coach Gary Barnett. Yeah. Sean Watson. Got to meet all these these – huge figures in Colorado football history uh, and got to meet them, sit down with them, have lunch. Gary Barnett sat down with me and my dad and my friend James and his dad sat down with us, talked to us, just was really welcoming. Uh, it was, it was awesome. Um, that same day we toured the facilities, got to go see a basketball game over there. They gave us some basketball tickets. But then uh, the, the fun part was I got to sit down with the offensive line coach. You got to sit down with your position group. And uh, sat down with the offensive line coach, and he's breaking down my film. Yeah, man, I really like this about you. Really like that about you. Uh, what do your grades look like? And I, unfortunately, I wasn't the best student in high school, um, and, and it bothers me to this day. And it's one of my one of my bigger regrets is wouldn't necessarily have put in more work on the field. I would have put more work in on the classroom mm. because I already had the, the the things that you can't coach. I was six foot three, three hundred twenty pounds my senior year. 
yeah. my junior year. Like I had the size, all the intangibles. Yeah, the things that you that you can't coach. I had, but I didn't have the part that was the most important, which I didn't know at the time was my grades. And so I told him what my grade point average was, and he turned off my film, like right then and there. He's like, oh, okay. He's like, I couldn't get you in the school if I wanted to, man. So I'm just gonna continue on. Yeah. And it was, dude, it was heartbreaking. Oh, I, the rest of the day sucked. <laughs> Even though it was fantastic, the rest of the day kind of sucked to me yeah. because I knew it wasn't going to be an option. And I knew no matter how good I was on the field, it wasn't going to be an option. And I think when kids don't take their grades right, and, I, and it's important that you share this topic, and I like that you put this topic up because we have a lot of athletes that listen to us, yeah. a lot of the kids that we coach listening to us. And it's important to understand that if you're not doing your part with the grades, you're limiting yourself, your potential pool of opportunity if that makes sense mm -hmm. like every time you drop a letter grade it limits the amount of schools that you can go to right so you need to really you, as much work as you put in on the field you got to put if not as much more on in the classroom because your grades matter always there's yep. no point where grades don't matter. And it's really one of the only things you control in the process. You have no control over who comes and looks at you, who wants to talk to you, none of that stuff. But you do control what your work effort is in the classroom. Yeah, and, you know, you know, you shed light on your story a little bit. You know, I think, you know, grades and off-the-field behavior go hand-in-hand. Hand. You know, when you start to struggle with grades, you know, that gives you more idle time because you're not getting that playing time, and you start to get in more trouble. And, you know, that was kind of the route that I went down as a kid is I didn't take school seriously either, you know. When I got into high school, it was more about hanging out, you know, being in certain parties or being in certain groups and, and and not taking education or sports serious at that point and and it led me down the wrong path and 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 unfortunately led me into some trouble you know which which I I regret to this day but I also am appreciative of it because I can come back today and tell the athletes that they shouldn't make the same mistakes as me and they should take that time seriously if you're going to be in school then don't play with that time because time's never given back. So when you're in school, take it seriously, you know, take sports to the extreme and, and give your all in sports, but also give your all in the classroom. Because if you can't give your all in the classroom, you'll never be able to give your all on the field. And the minute you get pulled, take the field taken away from you, it's devastating. I see kids all the time that, you know, are, are really good athletes. And the minute they can't play because of eligibility, then behavioral issues start to happen. Yep. And you start to see them get in trouble. And some kids, you know, go down the wrong path and may end up in jail. You know, some kids may end up, you know, victims of, of violent crimes because they're in the wrong situation at the wrong time yep. because they couldn't get things together while they had the time provided to them. So all you athletes out there, take this serious because, you know, not only does it make you a better person in life when you – you know, succeed in school and you get that education behind you and, and you have the confidence to speak to certain people in certain rooms when they're talking certain things that you may have learned in school, you know, um, take that time seriously because, you know, you're there for a reason. You're there to get smarter. You're there to grow as a human being um, on the field and off the field. So, you know, education is very key. It's critical. Um, and if you do not take it seriously, you will not exceed or excel um, in the next level in high school football. That's you know, like the old saying, and it usually it, you look at it as more of a positive kind of 
you know, look at outlook, but it's like when one door closes, another one opens and it goes the same thing with, sure. with sports in terms of like, if you're ineligible or you're unable to play because of your lack of uh, grades or whatever, sometimes one door closes that being football and another one opens, which is, and you walk through it and it's a lot worse life and a lot poorer decisions to be made. Um, you're looking to be a part of something and you find yourself in a gang or you find yourself doing things, uh, robbing or stealing or whatever, you know, idle hands are the devil's playground is what they say. Right. And I think when you're actively involved in sports, you kind of keep yourself out of trouble. You keep yourself busy. It's kind of the focus. Right. But when you take that away from you because your eligibility isn't right, um, it just leaves open the possibilities for you just to get into more trouble. So it's definitely important. You want to be on the field. You need to be in the classroom. Um, don't don't go through life with the regret of not doing it the right way when you have an opportunity to do it the right way now. And if you haven't been doing it the right way, change your ways. You always got time to change your ways, right? As long as you breathe in, as long as you got breath, you got an opportunity to change. So be the change that you want to see and go on and do your thing. Preach. Hey, Amen. You know, that was, you know, we leave that topic on, on some well said, <laughs> well said things. And I think everybody needs to, you know, go back and listen to this segment and, and, and take it from two guys who lived on both ends of that spectrum and, and seen it affect them in the similar way, you know, where, where coach, you know, was a highly recruited high school athlete that unfortunately you know didn't get the opportunities to play at certain schools because of grades and then you got me on the other spectrum who never took it seriously from day one once I got into high school and and kind of gave in to the off the field temptations and you know at a young age ended up incarcerated and 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 looking at you know jail time for crimes that I didn't commit but I was just in the in the wrong place at the wrong time, you know, and, you know, later was, you know, totally. a. Well, I think that's what people miss, miss, miss with it. Like you don't get to choose what place you're in and whether the time's right or not. Mm-hmm. Like you might miss out on practice or on a game because your grades aren't right. And then end up in the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. Like life is so fickle like that, where the craziest things happen when you're not expecting them. And we could never expect the unexpected. So, you know, I think I think our life experiences, if you don't take anything from us, just take the fact that and this is with any adult or any any kind of OG or, you know, anybody that's been through the fire. Right. You got to understand it. Listen to there's value in their words. Like I know when you're young, sometimes you're like this. This old dude don't know what the hell he's talking about. Times beyond him. But you got to understand there's wisdom within them words there's experience with them in them words and experience is always the best teacher you got to go through it sometimes but sometimes you can get an account from somebody else so that you don't necessarily have to go through it right that mm. uh, what is hove did that so hopefully you don't have to do that yeah <laughs> yeah yep. learn from other people's mistakes you know learn from our mistakes you know um and if you do happen to go through it like i said last episode don't just go through it grow through it mm. learn learn from your mistakes you know if if hanging out with x y and z got you in a bad situation to where something almost happened well maybe you should learn from that and not hang out with x y z cuz almost is going to turn into a certain happening That's so right. you know you want to make sure that you surround yourself with the right people the right situations and you make the right decisions as a human being yourself Staying on the college front there, Dom, kind of segue, segue in a bit.
But uh, is the Pac-12 about to be no more? Uh, it's 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 kind of looking that way, man. It's it's a little bit scary for them, you know. So you got UC, USC and UCLA. They're leaving the Pac-12 for the Big Ten, which geographically makes no sense, but for the Big Ten makes huge sense because yeah. you get the one of the largest radio, uh, TV and, and radio markets in the country in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. right in your conference, right? Um, they almost move all the way west. I mean, if you figure you add in, you know, just think, speaking hypothetically here, you add in Colorado, the Arizona schools. Damn, you got a straight path to the West Coast from from Big Ten country, mm-hmm. and so it's just wild to see what's going on in the college football, how in college football, and how the landscape's changing. Uh, UCLA, UC, USC leaving the Pac-12 for the Big Ten. I think it starts after next year. Uh, it could spell the end for the conference, if nothing else. Is a, it might end it, its um, recognition as a Power Five conference. Um, but I'm thinking on a local scale, what does that mean for CU? Uh, I don't know. I will say this. You know, I think. College football and the NCAA is a what have you done for me lately type of thing. And and let's be real, you know, the Pac-12 hasn't really been relevant or done much any since Chip Kelly and his peekaboo season in 2015. You know, um, I think as far as Colorado, I think they have, you know, options, obviously. I think. And by 2023, the Big 12 is probably going to be split up into two divisions with the amount of teams that are going to be in it. Um, but, you know, I'm a competition type of guy, Al. So I say, you know, if if the Big 10 is where it's at, then let's go get it. Yeah. You know, why shy away from competition? Let's get inside of the more competitive, if you would say. Um, and, and, and let's – just take a run for our money and see where we stand with the big boys out there, you know, but that's needless to say, there's going to be competition and, and, and regardless of where we go. But I think, you know, in the big 12 with the more teams, there may be a bigger variety of competition. Um, but like you said, well, I think CU, Utah, Arizona and Arizona state all already met with the big 12. Okay. Um, I think they were having conversations with the Big 12 last week. Just right after the news broke, they're kind of trying to figure out what they're going to do. Um, you know, you got Texas and Oklahoma left the Big 12. I think this year is their first year in the SEC. Mm-hmm. So that, that changes the Big 12 dynamic. The Texas schools you have there is what, Baylor, TCU. Um, but that's pretty much it for Texas, right? Because A&M yeah. and Texas are going to be in the SEC. So, you know, of the Big Texas schools, you got those. Um, you know, what else does the Big 12 have? Tech. West Virginia, you know, or, <laughs> you know, Texas Tech, I guess you're right. Too, yeah. they? So Arizona, Arizona State, CU, Utah joining that conference does offer a little bit more bolstering to it. Um, you think CSU may have some sort of chance at a Pac 12, Big 12 now, being yeah. that some, you know, it's kind of like, these teams, the upper upper teams of the division move on, right, to a different conference, and it's like these other teams get to come fill it in. I can easily see the Pac-12 adding Boise State, CSU. Um, you can easily see them trying to bring in some other higher-profile schools that are maybe not in Power 5 conferences right now. Yeah. Uh, Fresno State, you know what I mean? Like, geographically, it makes sense. I just – they lose a lot of firepower. Just, they lose a lot of, of, of history – and I mean, just USC alone, the well, history yeah, there. And, and you know, you, you, we kind of touch base on on what drives everything, right? Is is money, revenue, and things like that. Um, I think you know you could bring other teams in, but if you're not really filling that void that left, 
it, I don't know if there's a purpose there. And that's why I kind of, kind of say that I, it, the days might be numbered. Well, and that's kind of the, and that's kind of also like just flipping on your Big Ten's uh, argument about joining the Big Ten. What does CU bring to the Big Ten? I mean. The Big Ten got hundred thousand seat stadiums. Yeah, they've got a football tradition that's rich as any in America. What does CU bring to the Big Ten? Because they don't have a big stadium. Their football no. facilities aren't up to snuff. And if you think about the teams that are are are, are perennial competitors, uh, perennial contenders in the Big Ten, uh, you're thinking of Penn State. You're thinking of Ohio State. You're thinking of Michigan. You're thinking about Wisconsin. Uh, what are those schools? They're all football schools. Yeah, like. You won't mistake any of them schools for anything other than football schools. And CU, as much as I love the Buffs, they're not that. Well, and I think we need to grow with the times a little bit. You know, I think Colorado is evolving as a football state from the youth to the high school to the college level. And, you know, maybe CU needs to realize and look in the mirror that their little brother in, in, in this case and that they need to step their game up and maybe upgrade the facilities yeah. and upgrade – you know, Folsom Field or, or, or redo things out there to where we can draw that attention and, and become more of a football state behind CU. And, and and you know, I know that takes a lot of change and, and a lot of things in order to do that. But I'm just saying if, if these are the knocks against CU, then maybe CU needs to, you know, take that bull by the horns and kind of say, you know what, we hear you, but this is what we're doing to become that school you need us to be. We kind of mentioned it last episode when we were talking about our our um, our, our athlete our uh, spotlight, yeah. and we were talking about these these kids not staying in Colorado to go to school. Um, CSU's upgraded their facilities. Now it's just a matter of getting people there, and I think the more competitive they can be with their new head coach up there, that, that they'll they'll start getting seats in the in the stands. Yeah. And honestly, I personally feel like. They don't have the prestige that CU does, but I think they have a little bit more to offer in terms of potential with their facilities than CU might yeah. right now, yeah. you know, at this current juncture. And who knows? You, I wouldn't mind seeing CU and CSU in a Big 12. Like, yeah. you know, that's a good – I like that rivalry. Yeah. But, you know, and I know CU buff guy is going to be like, oh, no, not our buffs. We're way better than that. But – I think it's time to start looking at yourself critically and understanding where you're at in the landscape of things. Yeah. You left the Big 12 for the Pac-12. Pac-12 hasn't worked out too well. It's outside of one season, it's been a nightmare, very uncompetitive. Um, now the Pac-12 is starting to look like it's going to dissolve. You got the Washington teams. I think UW, they got some prestige, but that's about it. Oregon, mm -hmm. they, like you said, a couple seasons here and there, but they've never really been, you know, been the same. you know, they got the, that Nike money, yeah. And that Nike money speaks a lot, but I mean, at the some at some point, losing USC and UCLA is going to hurt that conference, and so it's just interesting to find out what what happens to that conference. Interesting to see what the Buffs do. Like I said, if they make it move back to the Big Twelve, cool. You know, we will whip up on Kansas and Kansas State again. Whip up on Iowa State again, like the old days. Um, interesting to see if they made that move to the Big Ten. Uh, you bring back the Nebraska rivalry. Fun, you, right? Dude. History. You remember, you go bring back the Michigan CU game, back the Michael Westbrook catch, you know, the, the Cordell Stewart Hail Mary. Uh, shout out to uh, Coach Maurice Enriquez and uh, Coach Donnell Liamini, RIP, uh, both on that team, both former coaches of mine yeah. um, in high school. And uh, them CU days were wild. And I, I would love to see them play against some of them teams. But I also know right now, 
We go out and play Ohio State. We get smoked. We go out and play Michigan. We might yeah. get smoked. We don't want to so be anybody's. We would definitely bag. have to upgrade and and be better. So it's exciting because it could mean facilities are on their way. It could mean you know new infrastructure is on its way, or it could also mean that we're taking a step back and are no longer a Power Five conference school and um, kind of have to luck our way into a national title consideration. But well, at this point, that seems like a far dream anyway. And you know, it's not far-fetched to say that there's money in boulder you know we oh, know that there's tons, there's of, tons money. of money in boulder For so sure. you know i think again like like i said earlier if if these are the things that are being said about cu then we need to come together and and correct some of these things and and boulder has plenty of money to put into the facilities at cu and make it that destination of where all in-state players want to go to and out-of-state players want to come to and and we become that powerhouse and, it, and it's more than facilities too because like it goes back to like paying your coaching staff and being able to like there's so many constraints on it being like what you can pay your coaching staff and yeah. how many years and i know that's a big reason why we can't get assistance to stick around very long mm-hmm. um it, it's well documented yeah. um carl Durrell's doing a great job up there but he's also had issues with keeping coaches around because you know the money is less constricted and the time is less constricted at other places. Whereas there's these constraints because of it being a public university or whatever that you can't, um, you can't pay these coaches or the way you want. So I, I'm sure some of this booster money can get in there and make it happen and yep. kind of make it, make CU more competitive, keep CSU competitive. And, you know, we'll see what happens, man. I'm excited to, uh, to see the the change in the college landscape, I mean, it's different. It's not it's not your granddaddy's college football, but like everything in life, things change, and you have to grow with the times, or you get passed by. So keep up with the Joneses. Keep up with the Joneses. Yep. And with all that said, I want to just make sure that we take time out to shout out Christian Whitney and Black Sevens. If you need any graphic design work done, make sure you hit up Christian at BlackSevens.com. Christian is a native of North Denver and is a beast at what he does. He's also a great dude. So go visit BlackSevens.com right now to see his work. Buy some merch and see all what he's got going on. He knocked the DNA logo out the park. I gave him the idea, told him what it was. He grabbed the bat and he hit a home run. We're super excited to feature his work. Visit BlackSevens.com for more. Man, you know what's great about him, dude, is he he really gave made it hard for us to figure out. <laughs> which yeah, which he, he offered us some options. I mean, the, the thought behind it and the logic behind it and why he was doing certain things or how he offered certain things, the color schemes, it's just stuff that I didn't think about. Um in in having to do that you know this is like like one of my first you know first real company we put together and you know going going behind taglines and all that he was he was super helpful and very informational so yeah shout out to christian very informational a lot of knowledge um and again if you need any graphic design work go check out blacksevens.com and he'll get you right so dom i know you wanted to uh talk about this uh Toughest division in football. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about it. Man, I I have a hard time arguing with you here, bro. Yeah, you know, um, I think a lot of people are going to have time a hard time arguing, um, but that's what we're here for. To me, personally, unbiased. You know, I'm not trying to be biased because my fan, I'm a fan of a team in this division, and I'm not trying to be biased because I live in a state where another team in this division plays in. Um, however, I will say – Based off off season 
accusation or you acquisitions. know <laughs> acquisitions. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel that this division is is made strides to become you know that toughest place that you want to you don't want to go and see and i think the afc west right now is arguably the best division in football i think they arguably have four of the top 10 qbs um but in my opinion the pass rushers in its division is what makes it ruthless you know you got chandler jones and max crosby you got khalil mack and joey boza chubb and gregory um depending on what goes on with him here in denver um, then you got Frank Clark and Chris Jones over in Kansas City, man. That that's grueling to to be a quarterback and have to come into the AFC West. You better be prepared to run that week because you are going to get chased down by these guys, you know. And then just to see like Denver bring in Russell Wilson to be their quarterback, and then the Raiders counter. You know, counter that and bring in Chandler Jones, the guy who sacks Russell Wilson the most. It's just the level of competition in the AFC West is super exciting. To it's nerve wracking because I would love to just that the Raiders just run away with the division, but it's it's exciting to see that the Chiefs have been dominating this division for the past you know several years, and these other teams are tired of it. And, yeah. and they're making the changes to say, you know what, we're here, Kansas City. We're coming to play, and we're coming to take this division down. And I think you can almost flip a coin to who's going to win the For division sure. this year. This offseason was really like an mm-hmm. arms race in the AFC West, dude. Like, uh, everybody stockpiled edge rushers. And um, it's it's definitely on paper. I would agree the AFC West is the best division in football. It's going to definitely be the toughest division. Um it's going to be a bus on within itself. You're either going to get a handful of teams that make it, or you're going to get one team that make it at like nine and eight, 10 and six, because you know, they're just destroying each other during the regular season, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, Raiders seem up and coming. They've saw some of their defensive woes, the chargers, you know, brought in Cleo Mack to add to, to Bosa. And they've got a, a, a nice defense and they got a quarterback that possibly could be the next guy. And, but they're also notorious for proving to be the Chargers. Yeah. You know, and um, Patrick yeah. Mahomes is still the torchbearer in the West, and the Chiefs are still the guys, and I just don't count out Andy Reid so easily. Um, and that leaves the Broncos, who, yeah, they're much improved and have a, a way more capable quarterback than they did previously or since they've had Peyton Manning, but they also would be fourth in that group of pass rushers that you mentioned. And there's yeah. a lot of question marks with their with their, with their their rush. Um, you know, and, and they got Patrick Sertan. And they've got a decent secondary, but uh, secondary don't mean nothing if you ain't got a pass rush to get to that quarterback. Yeah, it's all combination thing. It, it, it's it works together, bro. If you don't, if you got a good pass rush, you can get by with mediocre secondary play because they're getting to the quarterback a lot quicker. Um, but also, if you have a weak pass rush, you can have Champ Bailey out there, and they just don't throw to that side, and 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 they they attack you other places. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, and and I think like you said earlier, you know, Pat Mahomes obviously is still the torchbearer of this division. Um and the Chiefs are the team to beat. Andy Reid is a genius. Um you know, his play sheet is huge and <laughs> and said. he uses every play that he puts on that play sheet, you know, but don't sleep on Josh McDaniels, bro. I mean, he has worked with, you know, the GOAT of this coaching thing and Bill Belichick and 
honestly, the way he schemes up offenses is really, truly remarkable to see. So I'm excited to actually watch the Chiefs and Raiders go back and forth and see who wins that coaching battle between Josh McDaniels and Andy Reid. You know, again, Andy Reid is a legend. He's, you know, not taking anything away from him. But I think, you know, Josh McDaniels is, Josh McDaniels is that young pup. Um who wants to come in and, and prove that he can he can fight with the big dogs and I think he has the team to do it. I'm excited. Um It's know, interesting to see the second go around because, yeah. you know, it didn't end well here in Denver. It started well. It started really well. Six and oh and then he lost like two uh what is it, eight of their last ten and yeah. uh finished eight and eight. But I think I think he was super inexperienced when he first took over here in Denver and he tried to do too much. Yeah. Um I think he, there's a reason why he stood with, with Belichick and he could have had the Colts job a couple of years ago, backed out of it last minute. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think he'll be better. I think he's learned a lot. Um, I think maybe he's learned to humble himself a little bit more. Yep. And sometimes in life you got to humble yourself and lean on those who understand things a little bit more than you do. And also take in that criticism and understand it's not necessarily a swipe at you, but it's also trying to help you get better. Um, great offense of mine. Um, I don't disagree with you there. I think it's going to be interesting to see how it works out. He's got a good quarterback, uh, arguably great quarterback. Um, so I think I think the Raiders definitely can can be uh, that team that overtakes the Chiefs. I also think the Broncos can be that team that overtakes yeah. the Chiefs. They've got a veteran quarterback. Um, they have a solid defense. New the thing with them is their coaching staff is super inexperienced. So mm-hmm. what's going to happen with that? It's either hit or miss. They're either going to find coaches that just spark this team and get them going, and you know they can take off, or it can it can kind of spiral. Um, it's interesting, man, because I think eleven and like eleven and six will win this division. Yeah, but the crazy thing about it is there could very well be multiple teams from this division making the playoffs, and I'm talking three, maybe. I think that's very much possible, um, dude. Like if you think about the AFC South, isn't that strong of a division? AFC East traditionally hasn't been that strong of a division. I'm a Miami Dolphin fan, but they've sucked, and yeah. so has everyone else in that division. Um, the can't, North, can't North sleep. is decent. I yeah, mean, can't you, sleep on the North. I think I think Baltimore for sure. Um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see the transition with Pittsburgh and what they go through now, transitioning from sure. Ben Roethlisberger, Cleveland without their starting quarterback, but with a capable backup, and then Cincinnati is just up and coming. So it's interesting to see if Cincinnati can keep that momentum going. It's always a year after you lose the Super Bowl that you kind of fall back um, in injuries. Or the NFL is for sure not for long, and injuries yeah. always take its take its its spot and precedence. But uh, if you had to pick right now, and I know you, I know where your allegiance lies. But what would you say? Who's going to win the division in the West? Uh, if I had to pick right now, everything's equal. Um, teams, injuries, what they are right now, just just you know. Honestly, I'm not. I'm not even going to give you my biased opinion. I'm going to go with what I said just a couple of minutes ago and say that I feel that it's truly a coin toss. You know, I think obviously I got to give the respect to the Chiefs, and I think the Chiefs are that team to knock off of the pedestal. But I really also don't feel like the Chiefs done enough this year. Um, and sure, it would be easy for me to say that the Raiders are going to run away with this division. However, you know, if history repeats itself, you know, we, we've kind of had good situations to where I've felt this in the past. And, and we've kind of, you know, for be- lack of words, shit the bed. You know, so I think that 
if you were putting a gun to my head today, I'm going to say the Raiders just because that's my team. <laughs> However, I'm not sleeping on any of these AFC West teams, man. I think it's going to be, like you said, it's going to come down to the to the meat and potatoes of the season and see who wins the heads-up matchups. Um, that's, I'll, I'll go with the Raiders. That's Coach Dom. Really, really riding the fence and not trying to be fanboy for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, interesting, though, because last week of the season, the mm-hmm. division can come down to the last week of the it season. Could. And literally because the Raiders play the Chiefs the last game of the season um, in Oakland or in Las Vegas, right? Yep. All right. And the Broncos play the Chargers. They do. And so if this if this division is a buzzsaw like we think, and it, it comes down to tiebreakers. And the week before the last game, the Broncos play the Chiefs. So, you know, it, it can come down to some some sort of, like, three-way tie. And whoever wins, you know, that game can, can make, make a difference. Yeah. So, uh, right now, right now, if you had to put a gun to my head, I'd say the Chiefs just based off of what they've been through. But I also am not ignorant to the fact that time is never on your side. When you're a dynasty or when you're a great team and your players grow older, they've been fortunate to escape injuries with Patrick Mahomes and with some of their key players and not be have injuries. Um, some of the kinks start to show. We had the situation with Eric Bieniemy and, and Andy Reid and all the rumors last at the end of last year when when uh, Bieniemy wasn't getting jobs. Um, so you got to wonder about that dynamic and wonder if at some point if the wheels are going to start falling off. They lost the Honey Badger. Which was they lost a big key on their team. They lost they lost Tyreek to my Dolphins. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see the Broncos or the Raiders win in this division, or at least putting the heat on it. I think trendy right now. The Raiders would be a trendy pick just because of all that they brought in. Yeah. Like they're legitimate. They 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 their secondary's questionable, right? But them two edge rushers they have. Make up a lot for that secondary. And then the weapons they have on offense, when you look at inside out, you got your tight end, you've got a decent, if not, you know, serviceable running back, and you've got a great wide receiver on the outside. Like, And then they got a, a perfect person to deliver that ball to them. So I, I can see why the Raiders are a very trendy pick to win that division. They've kind of been bubbling a little bit. If you can fit, fit, figure out last year and how they got through everything they got through with all the noise going around to them, and uh, it, it's it's definitely there for the taking. So I would not be surprised if the Raiders or the Broncos were able to challenge for this division. I still don't believe in the Chargers, bro. And and, wow. and they might be the second most talented team in the division. I was I was but. just getting ready to say, you know, I think my pick, obviously, as being a Raider fan, is is the Raiders. You know, um, but man, we're sleeping on these Chargers, bro. Like they've been they're that, gonna that last year, right? If we would have just Tied in our in our last game versus the Chargers, we both make playoffs. Yeah, but then they then you they know? charge it up and called a timeout. No, I know uh, they did, they did, like. but they brought in the Khalil Max. Yeah, they brought in yeah. Jackson to to their secondary is probably the best secondary in the AFC West this year. I think their defense probably is the on paper the best defense in the AFC West right now. I wouldn't if if I was. They were damn I, good last year without I, Mac. If I was to pick anybody besides the Raiders in this division, I think it would have to be the Chargers, Coach. Honestly, it would be the Chargers. We'll see if Herbert can take that jump. He's definitely more than capable, bro. Like he's a good. He's probably the second best quarterback in the in division, um, and it's hard to say that because I do like Derek Carr a lot. 
Um, and Russell Wilson is really good and has been great over his career. But, um, yeah, it, it's hard to pick, dude, because those four teams, if I've never seen – have you ever seen a division send four teams to to the playoffs? No, I don't think it's – I don't know if it's possible. I mean, maybe. I guess anything's possible, So, I guess right? we, we, got, we got seven in the playoffs, right? Yeah. So, you go – your, if your three division winners are the north, south, and east, and then your four wild, and then your fourth would be the the west, right? And then it leaves three wild card spots. So it's possible, but I had never seen it happen, dude. I don't, I don't, I, I'm I don't not think gonna, it will. I'm not gonna say that's gonna happen. Could you imagine just, that though? It would be crazy. It would be. It would be crazy. I mean, if there's a year to do it, this would be it. That'd be kind of dope. You know, it would be dope. But then it would kind of make for like. Would it make for a boring playoff? Hell no. Nah. Because you imagine if the, the Raiders and the Chiefs match up in the AFC Championship game? Uh, or the Raiders and the Broncos? Or the Chargers and the Raiders? Or the Chargers and the Chiefs? Or the Broncos and the Chiefs? But with that like, much on st- at stake, does it bro. really even, does the game even finish? The crowd's going to overtake it with fucking bro. brawls. Bro, <laughs> hey, I would, I would pay dearly to see a, a division, an AFC Division West rivalry in the AFC Championship game, that would be fresh. Yeah. That would be real cool because, I mean, what gets better than a division game? And then especially if they've already, you know, at that point they've already played each other twice, so they've just beaten the hell out of each other twice. They've went through this gauntlet, which is the AFC West, and at that point you've made it to the AFC Championship, so you've gone through uh, probably Buffalo or, or Cincinnati or Baltimore, um, Whoever the hell the South throws out there, yeah, you know <laughs> like, what? Like yeah. that, that's a, that'd be dope. Yeah, you know what's also crazy is we went this whole segment right here and didn't even mention an NFC team. Well, who and, is that? And and the, <laughs> and and the crazy thing about it also is is the the defending Super Bowl champions come from the NFC. You know, so that division definitely took a blow trading. You know. Swapping out Russell Wilson yeah. for Drew Locke, yeah. so it's pretty much a lock in my opinion. Arizona for, for the Rams to probably win. Questionable. That. Yeah, Arizona. We'll see what they could put together. You know, the um, Niners could be good. Like uh, the, the Niners, Niners have a defense. The Niners have a lot of pieces. They did lose some pieces. See if Debo gets traded. I think um, the, the West on both ends of the spectrums are probably the best divisions in those conferences. Yeah, because the NFC East sucks. Um, <laughs> but you know, I think the, like I said, the AFC West is going to make a lot of. Co- Quarterbacks uncomfortable um, And speaking of uncomfortable coach You kind of got me in a little bit uncomfortable predicting ah. With this next topic we're about to discuss But I'll kick it over to you to kick we're, it off We're going to go segue man uh, You enjoy fishing or things that are native in Colorado? Um, You know I'm a Colorado guy You know I'm not going to say I dislike them But I'm not a big fisher either So I'm not going to sit here and cap All right, Well I am I love fishing I'm not a big fisher I'm like, like, a, like a hobbyist You know uh, I, I go I go fishing all the time. I just got back from Antero Reservoir, and I try to go fishing a lot. I enjoy it, man. It's great, you know, peace. And but uh, I'm actually I love things Colorado, man. I'm born and raised here, like you. Um, but the Colorado Parks and Wildlife are putting together a crew of biologists uh, together to embark it on a mission and try to find a species of cutthroat trout that hasn't been seen in Colorado since the early 1900s. Uh, I'm talking about the yellowfin cutthroat trout. So cutthroats are, are cool looking trout, man. They got like this big, like bright red kind of like line going across behind their gills, so it looked like their throat's been cut. Yeah. But they're they're a protected species here in Colorado. The greenback cutthroat uh, is a protected species, and they're native species mm-hmm. to Colorado. Um, so this recent team that's getting put together is, is fueled by 
discoveries of what were once thought to be extinct greenback cutthroat trouts and San Juan River cutthroats. Uh-huh. Um, so they've, they've, they've made these discoveries over the last like seven or eight years that these fish are still around. And so now it's kind of fueled this fire to search the upper Arkansas river basin and for these yellowfin cutthroat and, and cutthroats don't get too, I mean, they can get pretty big, but they don't get too crazy big. Um, but these ones can get up to 10 to 12 pounds, which is a, it's a pretty big trout, um, especially in a river. Uh, I just find it exciting though, man, because, uh, you know, there, there's always species that we think are gone that, that make a surprise visit. And it just goes to show you how fast this world can be and how fast, um, life can be. And, how would you like the job, man, to be able to go fish these fish out? They're going to do. Um, they're going to utilize electric shocks, uh, nets, and then hook and line fishing methods uh, to work the waters and search for the fish. So they they already do like electric shocks shocks in the Colorado River. Uh, there's this fish called the uh, Colorado pike minnow, and then there's a humpback chub, and they're, they're endangered species. Um, so in the Colorado River, out in Grand Junction and in the Western Slope, they get a lot of big catfish in there. Yeah. And so these catfish are predatory, and they, they eat the, the pike minnow, and they eat the humpback chub. And so they shock the river, and these fish, like, get shocked for a second. They come up, and then they take them, and they move them to another location wow. uh, for these catfish. And it's also how they find out how the population is doing of some of these endangered fish. So it's kind of cool. I think it would be a cool job to— it, it would be. It'd definitely be a cool job. You know, I'm not, like I said, I'm not really a big fisher, but 10 or 12 pounds reminds me of some of my nieces or nephews when they were born. <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, anyway, you know, I do love when they do research like this, but it also poses another question. You know, you mentioned shock, shocking the fish and, and things of that nature. Does that have an impact on the fish or on the current like fish population that while they're shocking fish, does it? Does it like hold a a long term effect on them, or you know, are we gonna have these crazy roided out <laughs> shock waved fish going into other populations? I, I don't think it's like that. I think they stun them. Okay, and so it briefly stuns them. Um, like I said, I know they do it. They've done it to uh, to the Colorado River to get cat, large catfish out of there. I was just reading the story, um, kind of like. You know, the, the Colorado River Basin's running pretty low right now. Yeah. Lake Powell, Lake Mead, some of the lakes that it feeds are, are at all-time low depths. And I was just reading this story about out in Lake, Paul, or Lake Powell, um, there's, they found smallmouth bass within the river. And they've never had a smallmouth bass in the river before. Yeah. They usually stay in the lake. But being that the lake's so low, it, something with the, with the way it's dammed and everything like that, they're able to escape and get out into the river. And these smallmouth bass are eating uh, the humpback chub, which are... An, an endangered species. So yeah. they're working out there trying to figure out ways to mitigate that, just doing the same thing, shocking, t- removing them and putting them back in the lake. Um, but it's, it's just something that they've been doing for years. Um, as far as like the fish population, I think it helps boost it a little bit, like the, the native okay. species of that river, because like some of these, some of these fish are invasive species. So they're not like the catfish aren't native species to that river. Mm-hmm. They've escaped lakes and made their way up the river. Uh, I think the uh, Colorado parks and wildlife does the same thing in they're some squatters. lakes. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. They, they do the same thing in some lakes with like Northern Pike. Have you ever seen Northern Pike? Yeah. So they do the same thing with that where like, like at 11 mile, if you go to 11 mile and you catch a Northern Pike, it used to be back in the day, they used to have to be like 36 inches to keep them. Now it's illegal to return them back to the water because what they do is they kill the trout population, the salmon population at the lake. Well, that's what people go there to fish. Um, They get really large salmon there. Um, And so these, these fish are are just decimating the populations of stocked fish. And um, so they, they, 
want to remove them. It, it's wild. You ever seen them stalk the mountain lakes? I haven't. Dude, if you ever get a chance to YouTube that, they literally fly in on these little prop planes, dude, probably about, I don't know, 20 feet off the water and just release the hatch. And then you just drop see the, all this water and all these little, and they're like little six, you know, five, six inch fish. They just drop them. And it's like, you know, they do it in like three or four different little segments. They'll swim by, they'll fly by the lake, release, fly a little more, release. And you and, and like to be the guy that misses that. Bro, I'm watching this and I'm like, well, don't they, they're dropping them from the sky. Like, yeah. Don't them fish die, dude? But apparently, apparently it's safe to do and they've been doing it for years and it's the most productive way to, to stock some of them, them lakes up there and to reintroduce some of these species of fish. So I don't know, man, I'm all for it. I like, uh, obviously if you caught a yellowfin cutthroat, you probably couldn't keep it. You'd have to return it to the water right away. Um, I enjoy fishing and I also enjoy Colorado. So let's see some of this, some of the, plus it's, it's a beautiful looking fish. Yeah. Uh, hey man, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm here, I'm here for it. I'm, I'm intrigued in the story. You know what I mean? Again, I, anytime we're doing any kind of research to, prolong the life of an endangered species i'm all you know i i agree with it um and you know you're a big fisher i'm not but maybe this year we know we have all this idle time you can get get me out on the lake let's go get me out at the river and we're casting a line in and and, and you know well, the most important feature to have when you go fishing is like a, a six-pack <laughs> hey you know i'll bring those it's, a, it's some good relaxation good recreation but nah man it's it's a good time bro I'm down. I'm down for it. Um, you know, I think it would be remiss of us out if 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 we didn't uh kind of touch base on this nest topic. Um, but I want to start it out with just a few facts. Um, you know, the two highest IQ scores in record recorded history belong to women. Women earn more than 60% of all of our college degrees in the United States. Girls' brains factually just mature two years earlier than boys on average they live about two to five years longer we need women around right and we need to protect their rights rights and they deserve the right to be equal they deserve the right to control anything medically related to their bodies i have a mother sisters aunts cousins grandmas a wife and daughters and if any of them needed birth control or an abortion for serious reasons they should own the right to that it's not the place of anybody other than the parents in the situation in my opinion to say when or when an abortion isn't needed i feel that there's a lot of situations that we live with where a woman may be a victim of a crime and end up pregnant where she should be able to abort you know, abort in that situation and not live with the reminder of what's happened to her um, throughout her life, you know, and and also, you know, the argument is, you know, there's a lot of women who take advantage of things like this. Well, I'll say to those people, what's going to change? Yeah. You know, those those women who you say take advantage of of abortions or, or, or you know, things of that nature. If we take away abortions, what's going to happen to those kids with those women anyway, they're not wanting to be parents. Like those kids are going to get neglected, you know, maybe abused or, or, you know, whatever this can happen. You know, we don't know what would happen to those kids. So to, to say that just because there are some people out there who abuse a situation or take advantage of something that we need to strip the rights of, of women is just ridiculous. And, and the fact that there's so many men who who go so hard for that 
end of the argument is just disgusting to me because a man shouldn't have any say over what is the right and wrong decision when it comes to a woman's body. I agree with you, bro. Um, I hate this us versus them kind of sediment that continues to work in this country, whether it is, and it doesn't matter what it is. It can be abortion rights. It can be voting rights. It can be, uh, we're stronger together and we've always have been. And uh, somewhere along the lines, media and the powers that be discovered that if we pin each other, we pin people against each other, that it it gives them a higher freeway and a quicker way to get their agendas pushed across because we're fighting with each other over some things. Um, but I wholeheartedly believe everyone deserves the right to control their own bodies, whether medically or whatever. Like, um, you can argue about the timing, specifically speaking, like about abortion, you can argue about timing, but it's not my, it's not up to me on what a woman should do with her body. That's it's, and it's, and it's not up to the government what I should do with my body. You know, um, I'm all about freedom. Yeah. Your freedom to choose, your freedom to live, your freedom, you know, I, I'm i a weird person, bro, because I'm, I'm pro-choice and I'm pro-2A. Like, I'm a weird person. Like, I feel like I'm on both ends of the spectrum, but I'm about a person's right to be able to live, right to be able to decide what medically happens with them. Um, you know, it was a big deal with this, with the vax mandates, man. And me and you gone over this yeah. when, we're, when we're coaching together and, you know, the argument was never from an, an anti-vax kind of feeling it's just about uh, a medical autonomy feeling like you should be able to do medically with your body what you seem fit to do with your body if you find a treatment that for cancer that is better for you outside the country you should be able to go and get that treatment Uh, i have a friend um, whose daughter has super bad um, arthritis and they're unable to find viable treatments here in the States because of the cost. Yeah. And he literally just went out to Panama with his family to get his daughter, this treatment. And, and it's the cost of it's, you know, it, it, it's way cheaper out there than it is out here. And, and it's a viable treatment and we should have the right to choose what we do with our bodies. And, and, and especially women, um, you know, a lot of these laws that were written up on abortion were written up before women even had a right to choose. Mm-hmm. Um, so historically, um, women's rights have been a, a situation in which they haven't always had the same luxuries that we have as men. Um, but yeah, man, there's, there's no way, like, there's no way I should tell my girl what to do. Like, I might not be happy with her decision, sure, and I might question t- certain timing elements of her decision, and but that's not up to me. That's yeah. up to her and whatever entity she believes in, whatever whatever God she believes in. You know what I mean? That's on that's on that person. Um, yeah. It's no different than if I wanted to wanted to kill myself. Yeah, like I, it's it's kind of a weird, touchy feeling, touchy go uh, subject. subject. But at the same time, like man, your life is your right, and I know sometimes our lives affect other people, and so that's where it starts to get gray. But you have you have the right to do with your body what you see fit. If you want to go pierce your body up, go pierce your body up. If you want to try testosterone replacement or you want to work out and do do the juice, as long as you're not competing or doing whatever, like that's on you, bro. Like yeah. whatever supplements you take. Now understand everything we do has has consequences, yeah. right? And I think there's emotional scars that some women may face. 
if they have to go through the abortion. There it is. They have and to. I think we got to be supportive still. We got to yeah. help get over it. And I've seen it on both ends. I've seen people where they, they, they've been suggested medically to have an abortion because, you know, the baby's not going to have a viable life and, you know, they do it and they don't do it. And Well, you know, it's funny you say that because I don't know if you noticed, but I, I when I was touching on this topic, I, I said I had daughters. Mm-hmm. And, and you know me. Um, you know my family. Mm-hmm. And as you look around, you see that I have one son and one daughter running mm-hmm. around here. Um, and, you know, we... My my wife and I, you know, we also were, were pregnant, going to have another daughter before my son. And the doctors pretty much medically told us that, you know, your baby is not going to survive, probably pregnancy. And going through your pregnancy and giving birth to your child, my wife may not have survived either, you yeah. know. So they presented us with the, with the list full of options and, and you know... Um, I don't want to go too deep into it because it's a touchy subject for me, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we chose that that abortion was the right thing in that case, you know, that we didn't want to risk my wife's life. Um, and also, like I said, my, my daughter wasn't going to make it anyway, you know, and, and it's a hard thing for us because, you know, every time that time comes around, we, we celebrate her, you know, and, and my kids know her and we speak talk about her all the time when we say prayers we pray for her and, and you know she's a part of our family and that's never going to change but it was a decision that we had to make for our family in order to keep our family strong and together you know and and it was a scariest situation that I've had to go through you know being presented with a choice of you know take the risk of of, of giving my wife giving birth to my daughter who you know, most likely is not going to survive the the birth or, or, you know, perish shortly after or and or risk the life of my wife. And, you know, it was it was a tough decision for me. And and, um, you know, but I, I would make the same decision over again if I had to. And that's why I believe that for us as a country to try to strip this right away from women is just, you know, it's it's disgusting. It's it's taken us back years and years of progress of what we made in our country to to like you said when when the rights were first written you know yeah. and and we can't take steps back as a country we got to continue to move forward we got to continue to treat each other how we want to be treated you know when you're a kid your parents say you know treat people how you want to be treated you know yep. give respect to get respect type of thing. And I just don't understand why we're losing that as a country. For sure, man. And, and I appreciate you, man, because that's not an easy thing to share. And it's not sometimes not a thing that we want to share with the masses because whether, whether we care what people think or not, people are still people yeah. and people still say what they say, do what they do, act like they act. And so it's commendable to be able to share that and to be able to get perspective because I don't think people always understand. I think it's easy going back to what we said in the last episode about always being two sides of a story. I think it's easy for people just to see the negative in something, but they sure. are unable to see the positives in things mm-hmm. and understand, unable to see the benefits in things. And we're so tribal. We get so close minded about things that we're not so easily able to show empathy to somebody else's point. And, you know, 
I don't agree with everybody on everything with that topic. Uh, I, you know, I feel there's certain timing aspects that are kind of weird. Yeah. You know, sure. but at the same time, man, I'm, again, I can't emphasize enough, man. I'm pro freedom. I'm pro your right to choose. I'm pro your right to live your life, how you see fit medically, um, physically, spiritually, whatever, man. That's the great thing about this country. This country was founded on the ability to be free, on the ability to think for your own self, and on the ability not to have your government kind of impede your Ooh. progress or to jump in and and change um, your direction. And regardless of what side, they're both guilty of it, of overstepping, overreaching, and trying to dictate how we live our lives and what we can put in our bodies and what we can do. And I just... I'll, for, I'll forever be pro freedom, man. I'll forever be pro um, your right to choose, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to medic. And and it's it's why I felt the way I felt about the vax mandates. It's why I feel the way I feel about abortion, and it's the why I feel about the way I feel about Medicare in this country. Because there, we shouldn't have government entities who can't get their stuff together on a variety of things come and tell us you need to get your stuff together and you can't do this. It's just it's not right. It's not who we are as, as humans. It shouldn't, it, it's, it were, go back to the days when we're roaming caves and, you know, chasing down mastodons and whatever, you know, yeah. it, it, it's, it's the freedom to live our life and the freedom to be that is slowly being eroded and taken away from us in this country. And I know you hear it a lot and you hear people fighting over several different topics and, you know, there's literally two completely opposite sides of the spectrum. And I think what people forget is there's all kinds of people, millions and millions and millions of people that are right there in the center. They're Mm. not all the way on one side on the topic and they're not all the way on the other side. We live somewhere in the middle. The truth, they they always always say there's two sides of the story and somewhere in between there's the truth, right? And I think that's where, where we're at with all this stuff, man. Like the truth is somewhere in the middle. We gotta stop being swayed so far apart and start understanding we're stronger together. We're better together. And this country has proven that we can overcome the greatest obstacles as long as we come together and overcome them obstacles and don't let them continue to further divide us and, and to, to point out the flaws in each other, but instead point out the highlights of each other, point out the good things in each other, point out the good in people. Because if you turn on that news right now, you're going to hear the worst of the worst about people. Right. You're going to hear the worst stories, the just the gut wrenching things that people do. But what you don't hear is the greatness that are that's right, that are human. So um, I agree with you, man. Well, power, well, power to the people, power to women. Yeah. Well said, brother. Um, on that note, you know, we're going to round out another episode. We got episode three in the books. It was a great one. A lot of things that we've learned, you know, make sure to go check out our website, DNA Sports Denver dot com you know book your latest sessions you know go check out our podcast and again this is just our opinion you don't have to agree with us and we don't have to agree with you you know and we're not afraid to disagree and have some conversations and the uncomfortable ones so you know a lot of controversial topics we're talking about if you ever want to call up join us you know go to our website again dna sports training or dna sports denver.com and make sure to reach out to us and we may have you on the podcast and we could discuss some of the things that you may disagree with us on so again thank you from coach dom coach al bruh appreciate you man been fun brother we out